So when you talk about traffic, what what are you seeing in the differences between Google for Jobs traffic versus uh, organic? Yeah, so Google for Jobs traffic is much higher than organic. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's get to the bottom of this crypto questions, shall we? Welcome, everybody. I am Joel Cheeseman co-host of your favorite podcasts, joined as always by my co-host, Chad Sowash. This is the Chad and Cheese Podcast, and today we welcome Aaron Stewart, founder and CVO of Job.com. CVO means Chief Victory Officer, Chief Visionary Officer. They take the pandemic serious. This is the Chief Viral Officer of uh, Job.com. They take this shit. <laughs> Correct. It's, 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 it's shit. a newly, a newly invented role. That's what it is. Visionary, right? Visionary, chief visionary oh, officer. That's, yeah. That's sexy. <laughs> chief visionary officer. Very nice. Beautiful. Very nice. Welcome back, Aaron. Uh, you agreed to come on the show even as Texas uh, fades into the, the sunset. Um, you, you're out of power. You have no water. Like you're in a hotel room. Correct. What's the state of Texas right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty sorry affair. And obviously, you know, all, jo- all, all jokes aside, there are a lot of people, vulnerable people that are actually kind of in some trouble right now, which is kind of yes. worrying. But so we should we should acknowledge that. But fortunately, my, my wife and my children and I are now in a hotel. But yeah, we've been without power and without water for a, well, water a week, power on and off throughout the week. And um, yeah, it's, and, and we're still in the hotel because uh, uh, the utilities and, aren't back up and, and running. And tell them how many kids you have, Aaron. 4.2 billion children by the fields of things. No, uh, I, I, have five, I have five kids, everybody, and they're aged from 11 right through to one years old. So as you can imagine, uh, not being able to have any water, bathrooms, washing bottles. Uh. Bottles. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty uh, brutal week. So uh, it, that's and for dude, sure. you, you uh, came obviously from across the pond and, and tell us and tell our listeners what you told us. You my my uh, naive assumption was that being kind of the richest state in the richest country in the world, that six inches worth of snow wouldn't be enough to throw it over. Um, <laughs> but obviously, it is more than more than enough to throw it over for an entire week. Um, and obviously, being British, I'm used to terrible weather about ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was uh, not pleasantly surprised to see everything kind of fall apart so much. And I think, in all honesty, listening to the governor. I think it's a little bit embarrassing for Texas in some respects because, you know. Blaming it on renewable energy was probably a bad decision. (laughs) (laughs) What a douchebag. As was Ted Cruz going to Cabo or Cancun or whatever whatever that was. I mean, what are you doing, man? (laughs) <laughs> what you for? Yeah, I know what I'll do. Middle of a crisis, we'll just go to Cancun. That's, what, about that's it. what Churchill did in World War II, wasn't it? He went to Cabo or Bora Bora. Where <laughs> yeah. was it? <laughs> yeah. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Forget these yeah. air raids. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing's for sure, I would not have missed the Chad and Cheese show for oh, anything. Oh, what a suck up. Very nice. <laughs> smart. Very smart. We got questions, Aaron, so <laughs> oh, buckle up, I'm sure buddy. you do. <laughs> <laughs> question sucker. Uh, yeah. Well, Joel, go ahead and roll that beautiful bean footage. Let's get right into it. 
All right, well, let's, so let's set up this soundbite. Um, this was from Deathmatch oh. two years ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in Austin, Texas. Yeah, and and you you had sort of painted a picture of a lot of acquisitions and agencies and whatnot. So let's go to this, and then uh, we'll sort of dig into the to the soundbite. Based on some numbers that we 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 projected, like we're we're enrolling up companies at the moment. So I'm buying out staffing agencies as we speak. We bought three staffing agencies this month. Ouch! No, no, I'm glad. I'm glad that you've done this because it's the perfect opportunity to explain. That's all, that's why you come on. Yeah, no, it's true. And and listen, so firstly, gents, thank you for 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 calling it out because I know that there are other people <laughs> that would have been in the show that may have also have heard that and be like, well, what's going on? To be honest, I mean, so throughout my career, um, I have actually bought um, many staffing companies and recruitment tech businesses, and it's the first time in my career that I've ever got to the point where. You have an agreed letter of intent, so an LOI with an agreed valuation on the business, multiples, preliminary due diligence that has all been agreed and signed. And then you go through what's called a deeper dive due diligence to close the deal up. And all three of those LOIs and actually others all fell over in 2020. Um, So, And the reason for that, as you can imagine, all COVID related. Um, every single one of those businesses that we were buying were being valued on what's called trailing 12 for trailing 12 months, whatever the EBIT are. The, big, the first quarter of, uh, of last year through, you know, a, a lot of the businesses that we were buying, trading 12, some of them went to no profitability from their trading 12 because they made such major losses in the first quarter. Um, others just were reduced so greatly that they didn't want to sell anymore. They'd rather wait, ride the storm out. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a learning lesson for me uh, as a leader and a person that's bought many businesses that actually even at the point of an agreed LOI, they can still... Uh, fall over because I've never seen that in my career. Um, but then I've never seen COVID-19 in my career either. Um, but sadly, uh, that was the reason. So we had uh, those businesses acquired up, ready to go, funds in place, uh, deals agreed, going through due, deep due diligence. Um, the last quarter of 2019 was, was was slow completing them on a couple of bits and then hit into 2020 and the deals fell over. And uh, we, were, we were very more devastated for the entrepreneurs. Uh, these are small business owners that in their mind had psychologically sold their business, uh, had now gone from not just selling their business, but were in trying to make it survive. And uh, yeah, and you know, I'm sure they'll be listening to this. And um, hopefully, guys, if you're trading 12s back up, please come back to us. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's what happened. Okay. So as you know, we're, we're on top of this on the show. So we're, we're counting two acquisitions Yes. recently uh we got higher vergence and most recently uh talenting are there any that we that we missed no there's there's none that you've missed but i can say uh at the moment fingers crossed we do have uh-huh. three three staffing agencies that have all finished that were all agreed their lois nat it last september and they're all in the very very final stages of their deep dive to diligence and should be closing end of Q1, so end of March. So there'll be three more acquisitions being publicly announced. They're all staffing companies, uh, all based, based in healthcare. One's an RPO uh, and one's based in light industrial and, uh, and sales and marketing recruitment. So for those who don't remember, d- briefly describe the, the higher vergence acquisition um, and why that was necessary. And then we'll, I think we have some questions about talenting. Sure. So, so High Vergence is a cybersecurity-based contract staffing, uh, staffing agency. Those guys, the owners there, the original owners, have, did an exceptional job of riding through uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And as you can imagine, cybersecurity was one of those industries. On the perm side, direct hire was affected, but on the contract side, pretty much remained uh, you know, unpunished. 
Uh, so they were actually a deal that we'd um, concluded as an LOI at the beginning of 2020. So we closed them up. It was our first completion of a, a true staff and acquisition from money handed over. Now it's our, our company and, uh, and we're delighted to have them. Uh, they've been an amazing acquisition and have grown uh, very well, actually, since our acquisition of them uh, working with us. And, uh, you know, specialist uh, niche, but at the same time, they have some really, really great clients that also have further expanded uh, IT recruitment needs gone. So, Aaron, when we talked about, obviously, the just the, the, the business model of job.com, the, the, one of the main reasons for buying up these staffing organizations is to get the actual technology up under them. But we haven't seen that with higher virgins yet. It doesn't even look like they're, they're running job.com tech on their website. And when I dig, when I dug deep into the jobs on higher virgins, they weren't even on job.com. So when is that going to happen and how long does it actually take to get a small staffing firm up and running on job.com? Yeah, that's, that's, a, and that's a, I'm really, that's a great question. So our strategy for acquisition is the first 90 days uh, of taking a business over is uh, do no, do no harm. So you do the first 90 days, do no harm. So you don't do anything to their company. You just get working within it, the mechanics of it. Uh, you mm. win the hearts and minds of the existing recruiters and the consultants there because one of the biggest impacts when you acquire a company is called change management. Uh, and change management can see your best talent walk straight out the door and there goes your asset. Um, but we actually took a bit longer with Hivergence and the reason for that was, was a couple of things. Um, uh, the pandemic has presented uh, a more complex uh, landscape um, and also um, their technical infrastructure and the way that Hivergence works is a lot more particular than, let's say, a more standard generic staffing agency. So um, Hivergence attracts most of its placements through network. It's not out there necessarily like sourcing or syndicating or advertising on various different platforms. They're, they are very much uh, a network-based solution. Uh, but what I can say is that we're kind of in the final stages now of their first preliminary technical integration with us. Um, we did take longer with it. No, no doubt about it, gents, um, mainly because as well, it's our first acquisition here in the US as a staffing company. Um, and, I, and I will tell you that by uh, the beginning of Q2, uh, you'll begin to see a pretty major impact um, on, on high vergence visually and also uh, within their operation. Um, I'd love to give credit to them as a team. Uh, they've been amazing joining us. And obviously, our president of staffing, Steve O'Brien, at our end, who uh, is a recruitment and technical uh, wizard, um, is doing a fantastic job with them as a company, especially considering, you know, it's still a fairly difficult time in the recruitment industry with the current climate. Um, so navigating a, a much more complex storm than we first uh, anticipated. So, yeah, we've, we've just taken a little bit longer with this one, playing it safe. Well, let's talk about job.com real quick before we jump into talenting. It, it seems, you know, you guys have turned into more of a, an aggregator. Uh, taking app cast feeds. I mean, just just really standard aggregator type of uh, of technology. And again, back to the business model, you guys are looking to try to build a job seeker, really talent community within itself. That's going to be hard driving people off the site. Is the credit card gone? No, no, it's it's not actually. No. So so we, we took it away. So Joel, I've got some interesting stats for you, though, which I think you might find quite uh, fascinating. So, so yeah, it's a great question. So, um, we structured the site uh, last year to focus heavily on SEO. 
Um, so, you know, we're sat on job.com, as I'm sure you gents can imagine. Uh, that URL has been in the public domain for a very long time. Uh, we do a lot of press and PR. So we have a very, very strong domain authority as a platform. And as we started to analyze, and this was a, a, a bit of a pivot last year in, in relation to, to COVID-19 was, you know, we really need to be taking advantage of just the vast quantities of candidates that are out there looking for work. And also we need to be conscious that if we're only focusing on our internal staffing jobs, that's not enough of a job experience for someone to sign up to the site, get matches, uh, get some level of experience with us. So as a, as a, as a kind of quick user experience, what you'll see is you, we've created a top of funnel strategy, which is, yep, we aggregate job content from AppCast and all the other you know, usual suspects in the market that we all know. Um, we optimize that content for the purposes of SEO. We also use, we also match those jobs to all of our job seekers. And we actually use, every time someone clicks on a job they get matched to, we use that as a machine learning uh, opportunity. Uh, so that's constantly feed the ML uh, of what they select out of our matches is constantly feeding back into our AI. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, you know, we just, we, we make revenue uh, selling uh, selling CPC out of that by giving job seekers an experience where if they can't find a staffing role with through job.com or one of the portfolio companies that we own or will own, then we at least give them something, a breadcrumb of service or, or, or use case within the platform that, that gives them opportunity, right? And uh, but at the same time allows us to kind of cast a wide net out into into Google and uh, and generate um, generate candidates towards the site. You know, give you an example: um, our organic SEO grew by 130 percent in December, and then 130 percent again in January, compounded because just as an example, because Job.com is just such a such a legacy URL. So it um, so it really does have a great impact in Google. It allows us to attract job seekers for free. It also allows us to look at where the job seeking market is as we try and determine which staffing assets, which staffing agencies we may go and uh, acquire um, because, you know, building up pockets of talent uh, communities and base in there that can be used for placements is also uh, a, a, another strategy. We still do have the card, gents. We still do offer the rewards. It's now a feature rather than just the headline. But I will tell you, <laughs> we got more people sign up to job.com and register when we had the card on the front than we do with the job seeking experience. <laughs> we literally did. And I'm like, you are, I'm not going to swear, but I'm going to be like, you are joking me. But what I will say is that's a, that stat is, yes, we did get more signups, but we do get more physical revenue generating activity out of um, out of job seekers utilizing kind of the job you, board functionality. Do you have any idea how much of your traffic is direct people just typing in job.com? Oh yeah, there's, there's actually, yeah, it's quite a bit actually. And, and I, and I will say, um, the word job, as I'm sure you can all appreciate is a university trans, uh, you know, translatable word. So it's understood in many countries and many languages. So we do get a lot of international, um, white noise, you know, where people like job. And we just, you know, they instantly find job.com or they just type in job into their into their browser and job.com comes up, which, um, you know, is, is cool. We, we welcome everyone to the site. We're delighted to have people uh, come to job.com. But, um, but at the same time, sometimes, that, you know, transparency, that can impact the quality of the traffic that's coming through to us. It can be, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult sending traffic away that maybe has no visa to work in the United States, for example. You know, we welcome them as a visit, but we can't really do anything with them, sadly. 
We'll get back to the interview in a minute. But first, we have a question for Andy Katz, COO of Next. For clients that are you sort of married to email, what would you tell them in terms of the metrics versus text messaging? It really depends on the audience you're trying to reach. I'm not going to even tell you text messaging is the right tool for every type of audience. Uh, you know, you're not going to reach a you know a VP or a senior level person necessarily through text. Uh, you're going to reach more of those hourly workers, more of the gig economy, more of anybody that's on their feet all day long. So again, you know you got to break out email and text in two different categories and sometimes depending on the audience the best thing to do is hit them with both of them and it reinforces the message the brand that's coming across they'll know who the company is and it's like any other commercial or podcast you know you might have to listen to it a few times before it resonates and it sinks in i believe it's the same thing with uh, text versus email versus any other form of communication for more information, go to hiring.next.com. Remember, that's next with the double X, not the triple X. Hiring.next.com. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. So when you talk about traffic, what what are you seeing in the differences between Google for Jobs traffic versus uh, organic? Yeah, so Google for Jobs traffic is much higher than organic. So, um, and, you know, just, just transparent. I mean, we, we feed straight into Google for jobs and we also do, you know, Google console sitemap, the, the usual, you know, as many landing pages as we can physically get to be indexed uh, into, into Google. But one thing's very clear is uh, Google's strategy of navigating people through their own uh, job search solution. Um, it reminds me of Indeed all over again, right? They're going to go from free <laughs> to freemium, right? They're going to sucker everyone's jobs in gain all the usability off of it and then suddenly go, hey, pay us or die, you know? And, yeah. um, and, I, and I guarantee that's going to happen, right? Um, I, I don't doubt for a second, which is, so if I'm being brutally honest, gents, as a, a small business, we are shoehorning our way through various strategies to kind of guide job.com forward, um, but with the ultimate goal of just becoming an ultimately focused start, di- data-driven digital staffing company. Um, but at the moment, you know, we're utilizing the assets that we have, which is job.com is great at capturing stuff for SEO. It has a good rapport yeah. with Google and Google for jobs. So we'll capture users there. And, um, and we're just leveraging what we can, why we can. Shoehorning is a good word. And I think uh, Indeed is busy doing that with a lot of other things. Uh, <laughs> we, re- we refer to it as throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. So let's right. talk to let's talk about talenting. Why the move? How the deal go down? And then I I want to dig into blockchain a little bit, but but set the table with why you guys acquired this company and and why it was smart for your strategy. Yeah, sure. So so we have two proprietary uh, pieces of technology that Job.com focuses on. So one is is AI. You know, we are very focused on artificial intelligence and have been for you know eight years now. Uh, before it was Job.com, when it was My Job Matter in the UK. Um, and the other part is the utilization of, of blockchain technology uh, within our tech stack and process. So uh, the guys at Talenting, uh, CEO there, Bill Inman and I have been you know, friends for a number of years. Um, and him and I have been the kind of keynote speakers at SIA for blockchain for a number of years as well. We've, we've done various panels together. And, um, you know, 
they went at a route where they were looking to utilize blockchain for compliance um, and also to create an ecosystem where people could validate their credentials, to which um, I'm very pro the whole validation of credentials piece. But the, the, the utilization of blockchain truly for us um, is about trying to help with two things. One, um, diversity and two, compliance. So I'll explain the diversity piece. Um, uh, we like to say that we're a diversity, you know, tech, diversity tech driven business um, and have been for some time. It's not just jumping on the bandwagon from everything that went on last year. We've been publishing articles out about this, which I'm happy to share with anyone listening for, for a number of years. Uh, I come from Luton Town, uh, North London, which is a highly diverse area and I'm passionate about it. Uh, we utilize blockchain to allow us to anonymize data uh, going through the hiring process. So um, there was a research report done in 2016. There's a page on job.com that talks all about it that showed um, an African-American resume and a Caucasian white resume, identical resume going into the, the job market and the Caucasian white resume name. Uh, that, that resume got 150% more phone calls back from recruiters in 2016. So I'm under no illusion that that unconscious bias within the hiring managers potentially or recruiters is still existent five years later. So we utilize blockchain to allow us to anonymize uh, the sociodemographic data out of a resume, um, but allow the hirer to know that this person is validated. They are who they say they are. They, they have done what they say they have. You just don't need to know their sex. You don't need to know their name. You don't need to know their, their, their race. Their, you, know, you don't need to know that stuff when it comes to the hiring side. And so that's what we're utilizing blockchain for as one component. Do you need blockchain for all that? Yeah, this this exists without blockchain, right? Yeah, you can you can, yeah. you can do it without blockchain, but I think sometimes people think blockchain's maybe more than it is. A private hyperledger fabric blockchain on Amazon Web Services, you could set up in an afternoon. It's as easy as pie. I mean, I think sometimes people get so wrapped up thinking blockchain's this mysterious complex voodoo. It really isn't. It's just a server infrastructure for security. And, um, and we just choose to use it. Uh, Talentin has two patents. Uh, they've got one patent granted, uh, which, or should I say now job.com does, which is for storing a career record in association with biometrics. Okay, so we utilize face, fingerprint, pa password and pin and store that record, your career record with that association. So it's Joel, it's got your face and this is your resume and it's on a private hyperledger fabric. So now we've definitely proven it's you. Um, and now, you know, so we have a we have a patent around that. And then the second patent, uh, which is uh, still pending, um, which we acquired to uh, is career scoring, which is where you can provide a level of scoring behind. Did this person really work at this company and did they really do this job and did they really get this reference? And we've been working on an ecosystem to create um, kind of, you know, that referencing piece uh, built within job.com for a little while now. It's still not finished, won't be finished until 2022. Um but, uh, but it's all part of the data-driven digital staffing piece. So, so yeah, we just choose to use blockchain for that application, yeah. Help me understand, as a, as a job seeker, the default is typically to advertise as much as possible. I'm looking for a job, so I'm going to market myself accordingly. My profile is going to be available on LinkedIn. My resume is going to be everywhere. And then blockchain comes in, um, and I... I think I understand it as a layman why that's important for money, maybe for you know uh, sensitive uh, data like healthcare or my social security number or things that that I don't want to get out. But my personal data or my for my resume, I want it to be public. So blockchain ends up to me sounding very just sort of soup de jour kind of thing to help me to like be a shiny object 
of, oh, this is good. But I, I have a hard time as a, a regular job seeker understanding why I should care whether a job site is blockchain or not. Can you help make that clear to me and all of our listeners who are like, why is blockchain relevant to job search? Yeah, no, and, and I think it's a fabulous observation. And I think it's one that's shared uh, commonly amongst a lot uh, of professionals in the space. Um, as a job seeker, uh, you will probably never know uh, that you're running through a blockchain on job.com. Um, and we don't advertise it or sell it to our job seekers. Akin to half the technology that's probably going on when you do a Google search, you have no idea as an average uh, user the sort of uh, criteria they're going through to give you that listing. But, but for whatever reason, in this particular uh, uh, application, it works. Um, blockchain doesn't hide their resume at all. Um, all it does is it just hides some sensitive material about them that could be related to bias. Uh, it could be uh, related to shortlisting someone before their, their true credentials that matter, which is their experience, their education, and their track record are truly looked at. And as job.com, we've made a conscious decision um, to utilize the technology to try and help increase the diversity funnel. Um, I would love to be proven wrong and shown that you don't need to do that to help increase diversity because you know, the ultimate goal is not about proving that we're right with blockchain. It's about proving that we can get a more diverse workforce into the labor market. Um, but, you know, we made a strategic decision at job.com to pursue the blockchain side. Um, but their resume remains public. You could search their resume through job.com. Our recruiters will find their resume. They just won't know whether you're African-American or Hispanic or Asian or, 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 you know, that you're living in the middle of South Central, uh, you know, L.A. You, you're living, you could be living anywhere. Is the background check piece something that you guys are pursuing? Because I, I do see some relevancy to having sort of a blockchain background check that, you know, this Joe Smith is different than that Joe Smith. Correct. Yeah. And we certainly we certainly are, uh, Joel. And that's, um, again, a, a slightly later strategic piece, um, actually with someone okay. that you, you guys know quite well, actually, but I can't say yet. So and I'm not going <laughs> to say either because I'll, I'll shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> Already did that death match, so I'm not saying anything. So, um, so uh, <laughs> acquisitions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, acquisitions. Yeah, yeah, acquisitions. So, uh, but you know them, guys. So, um, and uh, so, yeah. So, so we certainly are. I mean, one thing to remember, um, guys, we acquired uh, Job.com three years ago. That um, we did a, a blockchain ICO. If you gents probably cast your mind back, which was uh, sadly a failure for Job.com. But we're a fairly new business, you know. We, we and we are going out there trying to, you know, be fairly. Uh, radical um, with our approach in some respects, fairly um, you know, innovative. There are some things and decisions we've made that have not been the right decision. There have been some that have been absolutely the right decision. Um, and we're a learn-it-all organization, not a know-it-all organization. And I quote our COO, Bill Clem, with that. I won't take claim to that uh, saying. He says it's everyone in the business. We're a learn-it-all, not know-it-all. And um, But we definitely see the the practical benefits of uh, blockchain. There's also one other bit, which I'm sure you guys are more than familiar with, especially Chad with your background at um, Randstad, EEOC records, right? So, you know, we have to have a comprehensive security-based EEOC record as a co-employer. Um, and we choose, as our decision is, we like to use blockchain in order to do that. Um, and, and create a, a public blockchain that employers that we've co-employed with can access to. So that let's say, heaven forbid, job.com wasn't here anymore, then they're not in breach of their compliance. Because how many staffing companies in America have been keeping EEOC records on behalf of their clients who are maybe now no longer here? 
and their clients have to keep a record for that for seven years. And if they don't have a record of it because they're relying on their staffing company that's no longer no longer here, they actually have a compliance issue. My last question, Aaron. Like Indeed Flex, why is Job.com competing with the staffing industry instead of becoming the platform for the entire staffing agency? I mean, you can you can see the opportunity, right? Instead of buying up and again, there's there's a lot of resources that go goes into buying up staffing organizations and then rolling them up underneath your 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 tech. Why not just be the operating system for all agencies instead of competing with them? Uh, it's a fabulous question, um, and and it is actually one uh, that we we have had uh, internally at the moment. Our strategy is certainly, and you know, at, we've made a decision to be a competitor and to go out to the market as a competitor. Um, and we have, you know, we've got 474 shareholders in job.com. Um, and so, you know, we collectively as, as, a, as a collective shareholder team said, where do, we, where do we see our position in the market? Where do we see what we want to hit? And, you know, let's, let's be transparent. My passion is to help people feed their families and pay their bills. But at the same time, I have a shareholder obligation to make an ROI. And we have a very intricate, detailed map showing acquisition, layering technology, uplifting acquisition with technology, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, um, and taking, let's say, three or four hundred million dollars worth of revenue out of the market per se. Um, and, you know, with, uh, with our, our talks of obviously doing a public listing and, um, and, and achieving the ROI that our shareholders invested into, you know, so, so that's so, so, but there is definitely a compelling argument to say, why not just license this to every recruitment company uh, in the US and, and follow that strategy? Um, I, think it's the, I think what it is, is that there's quite a crowded room of very sophisticated service providers to the staffing industry. Um, some very, very great technology out there. Um, I, I, I feel that we do a great job at job.com. I think it's more within our control and wheelhouse strategically to go and buy staffing agencies and create a nice, good data-driven digital staffing company powered with AI and blockchain that is ripe for either an IPO or an acquisition rather than maybe trying to go directly out into the market and maybe find myself up against someone like a bullhorn right through to other different platforms that are out there that would, you know, would definitely give job.com a good run for its money. Let's be brutally honest. He said the IPO word, kids. Aaron Stewart, everybody. There he is. Always a pleasure. Aaron, for our listeners who want to learn more about you or job.com, where would you send them? Uh, I will. I would send them to job.com or alternatively, I love talking to everybody. Uh, feel free to just hit me up on LinkedIn. You know, I've got a rather peculiar spelling of Aaron, so you, you can't miss me uh, or Twitter. And that's A-R-R-A-N. Correct. Aaron. Aaron. Thanks, dude. Thanks so much. Uh, good guys. luck with uh, good luck with your busted pipes. Yeah, <laughs> that, were you going to come and help fix them, gents? Hey, no, real- <laughs> we are not. <laughs> we pay our taxes and have maintenance already. <laughs> we <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting, they talk about technology, but most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know, and yet you're listening. It's incredible. 
And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.